welcome to the YBNB show. Um, many of you follow us now and you know that we run this live Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays. Mondays we talk about the body and tips of the body. Wednesdays we do mindset. Um, I had Penny Power on on Wednesday talking about her book, Business is Personal. And then Fridays we talk about um, business. And, uh, you know, sometimes I'm lucky enough to have a guest um, who's an, um, an expert in a particular area. And today's one of those days. I'm really happy that I've got Tracy Reddings on here. So hi, Tracy. Thanks so much for joining us. Hi, good to see you, Angela. How are you? Yeah, all good. Thank you. And um, Tracy is unusual because she was just telling me before we came on that... Um, she is one of only 17% uh, of all uh, financial advisors in the country that are female. So there's very few, uh, well, I think we all know that most of us who've ever taken any financial advice, it does tend to be for men. And, um, and here's Tracy, she's uh, one of the few female experts in this area. Um, and she's gonna talk to us today, particularly about um, uh, financial advice for women. And it's really an interesting subject, I think. So. Um, maybe, um, thanks so much for joining us, like I say, Tracy. Maybe we can start off just with a little bit of your background because you've had a very extensive background in this area. Yeah, sure. So I've, um, I've spent the last 35 years uh, working in the financial services industry. Uh, started uh, very young. I left school at um, 16 and uh, started immediately working for a bank, but um, have spent the last uh, 35 years um, advising clients, of which probably the last 20 of those have been in um, the private banking arena. And then uh, a couple of years back, um, you know, I, I, the thing I've loved most um, about this business is the client engagement. Um, but the thing I realized about myself was I had this real passion for the equality of advice. Um, and I just was getting increasingly frustrated in the corporate world that, um, that the importance of advice was falling way down uh, the priority list. Um, and I, to be frank, was sick of, sort of product sales. So um, I took um, a pretty bold decision a few years ago to uh, leave the corporate world. Um, uh, I have always described myself as what I would call an um, entrepreneur. So um, I always felt slightly odd in the corporate world because um, I was always building businesses, building teams successfully, but never quite felt I fit. And, um, and having sort of now been running my own business and an advisory boutique for two years, um, I realized I was just a frustrated entrepreneur. And yeah. um, probably not very good at taking instructions from others. Oh, we, we obviously, I know you do some amazing things, got a fantastic track record, I do know that. Um, what's interesting about your, uh, your business is that your niche is females, that you, um, you provide advice and um, you know, investment advice to females. And so, Maybe we just start with that, that, um, you know, why pick only females? Because, um, you know, is it is it that we don't, well, you tell, tell me what, what was the reason for selecting that niche in the first place? Mm. So, um, I mean, important to say that I have, um, I do have uh, male clients as well as females, but yeah. I think the priority for me and, and my drive really is, is uh, particularly uh, midlife um, women. Yeah. And uh, where does that born from you know if I told you that we as women um, over our lifetime are losing out around a million pounds in our lifetime because we're underinvested, um, and you know that's really born out of the fact that um, when you look at the statistics between men and women 
women are more likely to remain in cash. And a lot of this is born out of a fear of um, not having enough, uh, of, uh, of, losing, um, of losing money. And as a result, women are more likely, even if they do have the financial resources, to stay um, in cash rather than um, invested. Um, and so as a result, losing out um, a fortune. The other thing that I, I worry about is um, that we've got something like 1.2 million women um, in their sort of approaching their 50s and, and, and now into their 50s that are heading into retirement. And this is professional women. This isn't um, yeah. just the street. This is professional women, 1.2 million professional women who have no real significant savings for their retirement. Mm. Well, if I told you we are now planning for a hundred year life. Oh, well, I'd say to you that's young. I think, I'd say that's young because everyone who knows me on my program says that I'm aiming for 156. So I hopefully yeah, I love it. <laughs> 100 I love it. is the new 60, I think. Well, look, given, given your, uh, and you are remarkable, given your fitness and how um, fantastic you look, I, I can absolutely believe if anyone's going to do it, you are, Angela. But even if we work on a hundred year life, that means all yeah. of are likely to be spending longer in retirement than we did in our working life. Yeah, yeah. Into retirement with no savings. So they can't, so they can't retire even if they want to, can they? I mean, there's a few things occurring to me when you say that. I mean, the fact that people stay in cash, and I wonder, there's probably a whole load of reasons for that, isn't there? I mean, it can range from any, everything from us being more cautious because that's what we've been sort of encouraged to be as little girls and like that whole dynamic of sort of, you know, be careful, then sort of, uh, you know, there's the other, I know it sounds sexist, but the other sort of original trend that it was the man that was the breadwinner. And so, you know, we didn't have to sort of invest like that for the future because the man would do it. And I suppose another one is, you know, were we just too busy prioritizing everybody else, um, you know, and then I suppose there could be another reason, which is that financial advisors, you know, who are not like you would maybe traditionally go for the man because the, they would perceive the man to be um, a bigger earner. I don't know, what's your, what's your, what do you find is the real situation? Why is that? Why is it the case that women stay in cash? Because lots of women are good earners now, as you, as you say, and um, you, you said, just said that it's, for, it's professional women as, Mm. earning well as you know not just women who are not working so what's the reason well I mean it's interesting because one of the things that um, I decided to do as well as um, being a qualified advisor was to qualify um, as a financial coach and one of the reasons I did that was because I was finding increasingly in my conversations with women um that there were all sorts of blockers and barriers around them making the right decisions for their financial wellness. Um, and, and I think actually people, how, not just I suppose all people, but generally what I'm finding with women is that um, the influences in terms of how they think about their decisions when it comes to money, believe it or not, in, date right back to childhood. So um, it's the same as many psychological issues many issues in the way that we think about ourselves, whether we have belief in ourselves, what we believe to be fact, um, all get set from something like the age of seven. Yeah. 
you think about your money, um, your attitudes to money and your experiences, your, your fears about money um, or your behaviors about money, your habits, they generally, when we start to look under the skin of the issue, are all formed from a young age. Um, so, you know, if you think about when we were growing up, you know, we were told by our fathers and our grandfathers that we, you know, we were sort of brought up, we were the princesses, we would be looked after. Well, it's no wonder sort of that, you know, many women of our generation have grown up feeling like that they're expected to be looked after or um, their job is to look after um, and nurture. Um, and it's not that they don't have the right um, to have uh, their own, to make their own decisions uh, when it money. So um, I do think there is a big issue around uh, the money blockers um, and, and the, the, the money habits that, that get formed. Yeah. Uh, and part of the reason women stay in cash often when we start to get under the skin of that and what's stopping them making the decision is because um, of their, the, this fear of um, not enough. Uh, and, uh, and when you couple that with women tend to focus on wealth for women tends to be driven by security stability the future of their family uh whereas um and and health and wellness whereas um men will very much think about it as financial security to give them more mm -hmm. uh, and so um so i do think that there is there is something that starts quite early on i think in all of us that's yeah. um our agenda um, well, set our agenda about money and our behaviours about money. Um, and I, you know, on my own journey, I, I went on my own journey when I was qualifying as a financial coach and sort of learning uh, about my, my own habits. And I thought, you know, many of those changed as I'd got financial security. The reality is they were deep rooted in me. So when I started my business, the, th the biggest shock to me was having gone from uh, going through divorce in my 30s, being a single parent, um, frankly, scared of receiving the bills through the post to um, earning seven figures, um, financial security, um, and not having to worry about money. When I set up my business, I couldn't understand this feeling of overwhelmment that I had and being overwhelmed and anxious. Um, and when I started to think about it, it still roots back to this fear of not having enough. Yeah. Despite the fact the money was the money's in the bank and was in the bank to help me build my business in the first few years before we uh, before we built um, you know a profitable business, um, and I think these things never leave us. Well, a lot of um, you know what I teach to do with the body and with business as well is that, um, and I learned this from people like Tony Robbins, is that so much of what we set out to do and whether we achieve it or not, it boils down to mindset and not strategies. You know, if I sort of think about, um, you know, how to get a six pack, um, you know, we all know the strategies. There's a million of million free uh, resources online, but we don't all walk around with one. Um, it is a mindset. We don't necessarily believe we can get it. Same with a successful business. And I'm sure the same with um, with finances as well. So obviously, as a as an advisor specializing particularly in women, I guess you're going to have to, you, you know, that's one of your challenges is to overcome that and to teach us women that um, it's equally important for us to do it as it is for men. One thing that just occurred to me as you were talking was, would you say that us women are, are bigger spenders on less, you know, on more frivolous things? I mean, you know, hand, you don't see a man walking around with an expensive handbag, for example, or, 
you know, must have shoes or, you know, the latest seasons, whatever, you know, fashion item. I mean, I, I think men, some men have a weakness for watches, but otherwise us women tend to be more of a retail spender. Do you, is that a problem? Do you see that or generally not? Um, absolutely is a problem. And it goes back to the psychology of money. Um, yeah. You know what it boils down to? It boils down to status. So I know when um, in the early part of my career, having, you know, those designer handbags and nice clothes and um, having the nice home were all important to me. And the reason they were important was because of this of inbuilt um, belief system that I had, and it was about status. Yeah. Well, it was interesting when I suddenly realized actually none of this stuff matters. Mm. What matters is um, experiences in life, um, enjoying life, health and wellness yeah. um, and family and friends. And, and I think the last year, I think, has been a real leveler uh, for all of that. Oh, God, yeah. I look at all of the stuff that is sitting in the wardrobe, like, you know, beautiful handbags that I haven't even looked at in a year. No. And, um, but I'd rather, you know, I would give anything, I'd give my last pound to be able to spend time with my family and friends and have fun in the way that we were yeah. weeks ago. Um, yeah, absolutely. That's so true, isn't it? And I think as well, when you buy, and I think sometimes this does come with experience and age as well, because, you know, you buy all these things and you, like you said, the homes and the cars and, and all of that, because um, when you, when it boils down to it, because I always ask why when people tell me their goals, because what it boils down to it is that you think it's going to make you a certain way. And if you get to the point where you get a lot of this stuff um, and then find, well, actually, it doesn't make you feel a certain way. Um, experiences actually make you feel a certain way. Then it, it, it sort of, uh, you know, stops you needing to buy all of this stuff. But I think sometimes you have to go through that and experience it yourself before you realise. But but once but once people do realise that um, and I think especially you know this year has been a bit of a wake-up call for everybody you know it's almost like um we have been taken off of one planet and whizzed along and plonked down in a new one lots of people have had to change you know the way they well they haven't been spending so i think people look back and look at what they were spending last year and think my goodness you know i didn't need to spend that i spent so much less but equally on the earning side as well so people sort of jumped off that treadmill but they probably got an appreciation a lot more i know i have now of what the minimum requirement is, where you can live a really, you know, nice, comfortable life. Um, and it's probably on a lot less than you actually thought it would be. And what I've always been taught from a financial advice perspective is to try to get investments that will generate sufficient passive income to cover at least that. Um, and that's sort of step one of security. So taking into account all of the, um, you know, the emotional sort of uh, blocks that you mentioned, um, what are the strategies? I mean, how do you go about advising women? Is it any different to men? And um, I'm sure that there are men and women listening here. And you said that you have male clients as well. How do you go about sort of, how should people go about sorting out their finances? It's never too late either, is it? No. Um, and I think that's, um, I think, really important message. I think I'd start by distinguishing, sort of tying it into the last point, between being rich and being wealthy. Right. You can look rich and you can appear to be rich by having all the stuff in the world. Yeah. And you might be earning a fortune, but you also might have a high level of debt that you're servicing. Yeah. And I think you only have to look at some of the superstars around the world that have been worth um, 
hundreds of millions, centimillionaires that today are worth virtually nothing because uh, of the choices they made. Um, so when it comes, so for me, it's all about um, making powerful choices. Um, and I think choices are much more powerful than income, because if you make the right choices with your money, and, and you just articulated that in terms of the experience of the last year, um, just starting early and thinking about, so if we think about the amount of money that we might have um, spent just picking up the cup of coffee on the way to the office and then on the way to the next meeting, so on and so forth. Um, and, and you top that up, how much you spend over the course of a month. Then in the same breath, I might have a conversation with a client who's not been not started saving towards their retirement, for example, um, and which is the most tax efficient way. We pay a lot of tax in our life. Why wouldn't we get some of it back? Mm. Um, it's the most tax efficient way to build wealth for, for the future. But when I talk to them, you know, let's keep the numbers simple for the purpose of this. But if I talk to them about £100 a month um, out of their salary to contribute towards their pension, suddenly they can't afford to do that and they worry about having the money to do that. But then when we start to get them to sit down and think about, well, how much do you spend on, you know, just picking up the cup of coffee or um, the, the three nights out a week having fun? And I'm not advocating that people shouldn't have fun because, uh, you know, I like everyone like to, to go and have fun. But it's about balance. Um, and, um, and then once people start to sort of take a step back and think, crikey, you know, and, and I think this year has made people realise how much money they do spend. Mm. Um, uh, that maybe, and, and certainly we've seen savings go up um, over, over the last year um, as a result of, of COVID, one of the positives out of it. But if we take that pension, yes, £100 a month, but actually it's only costing you, if you're a basic rate taxpayer, £80. If you're a higher rate taxpayer, £60 um, a month. Yeah. Uh, you're getting £40 paid into your pension, essentially by HMRC, you otherwise wouldn't. And if you hadn't paid it into your pension, you pay tax on it anyway. Of course. A brainer, why wouldn't you? And I think so sometimes it's about sort of demystifying it and simplifying it. Um, lots of women I talk to will say, well, I haven't done anything because I don't really understand it. And you know, I had a conversation with um, a client the other day and she said to me, oh my God, this is so straightforward. I've never understood the dynamics and the benefits of this before. No one, throughout my whole career, I've been building up all of these pension pots, never even thought about it. And nobody, but nobody had ever explained it to me in a straightforward way, the, the features and benefits and the pros and cons of, of something like a pension or an ISA or other savings mechanisms. Um, so I think it's about starting early, um, it's never too late to start, uh, but clearly the longer that you're invested, the bigger impact that you have because you have yeah. a compounding impact. Um, and I think um, it always seems um, like, you know, 20 years away seems a long way away, no matter if you're 25 or 55, um, but it really, really goes quickly. And, um, you know, it, and even at, at 55, I think that it's worth people starting because, um, you know, 75 now is not like 75 used to be. You know, we might remember our sort of grandparents at 75 and they appeared like they were sort of old in retirement. But you look at 75 year olds now. I mean, I was just showing my team a woman on uh, Instagram, 74 years old, been weight training for three years, 
I mean, she looks phenomenal, you know, strong, fit. She looks amazing. It's not to do with, um, you know, her face or her hair or anything like that. It's her, it's her body, you know, she's so strong. She's going to be going for years. So um, that's what really, if you look after yourself, you start looking after your body, you know, hence um, my program and why I connect it with, with, uh, with business. If you look after your body, then you're going to be here for a long time to be able to achieve whatever it is you want. All of the wonderful experiences that you want, but you have got to have money to do it. And um, it's nice if you are able to uh, change your career and, you know, have a series of businesses and a series of different careers. It's lovely to do that, but if you want to be doing it, and if you can't for whatever reason or you wanted to, you don't want to because you now want to go and do a, you know, a midlife backpacking year or whatever it is, it's nice to, to know that you've got that security coming through. And so you can put together for people a plan, can't you? No matter how much they're earning, um, you can put together a plan for people and show them. What I loved about what you said is you can show them a roadmap mm. how to get to a particular place by a particular time. And I love that because you know, it's yeah. really nice and clear. I think um, I think that's right. And I, the way I look at it, because uh, when I first met you, Angela, I love what you're doing, because um, when I first started thinking about this, um, you know, I had already I discovered weight training um, in my early 50s. Um, I discovered uh, before that mindfulness and the importance of having clarity of mind. Um, and, uh, and I thought, you know, everyone spends their time thinking about um, health and wellness and, um, and their, their mental health, but people aren't taking the time to think about um, their, their financial health. And, you know, for me, it was the part of a three-legged stool, if you like, mm -hmm. um, and, um, and it's important that we, we spend uh, time on it. So, you know, what I'd say to a, a lot of the, the women that I'm working with is, how much time do you spend in your career building your business plans and your strategies, whether you're working for a corporate or you're running your own business? Yeah. And so much of your time and energy um, in, um, in your business, doing your business plan and, and your vision for the future. Yeah. When, when you suddenly recognize, and I think for, for many of us, we recognize later in life when, when you know, that middle starts appearing uh, and uh, that uh, the importance of health and well-being. I think nothing about paying for a personal trainer now because I know it's an investment in me and my body um, to ensure that I will be here for at least a hundred year life um, yeah. know, and, and hopefully um, beyond. And yet people don't think about engaging with a, a financial advisor. For me, it's exactly the same. I'm the personal trainer for your finances. Let's yeah. think about it like that. And for me, the reason I go to a personal trainer is because I know I'm a busy woman. I'm juggling lots of things. I just have no time. <clears throat> Frankly, if I didn't have the discipline of a personal trainer, I know I would fall off the wagon really quickly. Because I go to a personal trainer, you know, I'm, uh, I'm 54. Uh, I'll be 55 this year. I'm in the best shape of my life. Yeah. Discovered that weight training and a personal trainer. Now, if I just sit back and think, oh God, how much am I spending on that? But actually, how much is my life and my fitness and my health and my strength worth? Yeah, it's not for now, it's for, it's for decades of the future. future. With, yeah. so with, I'm investing in a personal trainer now because I want to be here. My, both my parents passed away at a young age yeah. um, and didn't enjoy their retirement and didn't enjoy their life. I don't plan to have the same outcome. Um, and so investing in my health is critically important. 
But you know, you know, for a long time, I've also invested in my finances as well. Exactly, because you want to be here, but you want to be able to live that dream life as well. And it doesn't have to be on yachts in Saint-Tropez, although that would be nice. But you want to be able to, you know, go and do the things that you enjoy without really stressing and having to do a nine to five if you don't want to in 20 years time. I find a lot of people join the program just before that decade tips, like they join when they're 20, 28, 29, you know, 38, 39, 48, 49, 58, 59. It's always just before that sort of milestone birthday. And um, if I was, I mean, as you were sort of speaking like that, I would say, if people, um, when they're thinking like that, they ought to really, if they haven't got a, a financial plan together, be thinking about exactly that, that then. One of the things that um, I did want to ask you about as well, Tracy, is that you know, you've got organisations like um, Hargreaves Lansdowne now, and they're becoming a lot more mainstream, and they sort of, you know, they they say you, you can do it yourself, etc. And then when you look, um, there's a multitude of decisions to make in terms of, you know, where am I going to invest and all of that. And I'm sure that must be off-putting as well um, to people when you look at it, because, um, you know, to be a successful trader, as it were, you would you know, you'd have to spend an inordinate amount of time and there are the indexes in that. But, um, you know, when you're busy running your own business, that's not an area of expertise. I know for me with my training, before I actually got so involved in it to the point where I wanted to be qualified, I was very much of the mindset, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. And then I got the results and then I was like, wow, you know, I, I think I'm going to learn about this myself. But I mean, presumably you do something similar. You just tell people talk to people they start to see the result and then you could just tell them what to do and they do it is that is that how it is or there is a place for some people to do Hargreaves Lansdowne type stuff but I agree um my experience is very complex I think it's um I think it's it's very much akin to the conversation that we just had I think you have um do it yourself Um, so that's going to a pure gym and it's cheap um but you've got to work it out for yourself and you've got to you've got to, you've got to stay accountable and frankly you've got to be accountable and i'm yes. not that and you've yeah. got to have discipline you've also got to have the time to go yeah or you have do it for you and and i'm in the uh, you know what i do is i do it for you so i i take the time i sit down i understand um there's a lot of conversation and understanding and getting to know you that happens before we even start to think about what solutions would be what's mm-hmm. interesting is you know i start conversations with clients and they'll often start jumping into the solutions and what should i do and i said we're not even going to talk about solutions before we can build a roadmap we need to understand more about you what's important to you what drives you and, and what that long-term vision is what's the long-term vision for for the money what are you you know what are your dreams what do you want to be able to do Right, let's work backwards from that. Let's create that roadmap, which enables you to realize those dreams. So, and depending on what decade people are in, like you, people tend to approach me at different decades. So, um, you know, the conversations I have with girl, women in their 30s uh, is different from the 40s, 50s and 60s. Um, and sadly, you know, we, we often engage with women when they're going through trauma, trauma so divorce or they've lost a partner. Um, and for the first time, they have to, to think about these things. But taking the time to get to know people in the same way as when you put together a personal training program for someone, a business strategy for someone looking to build their business, mm-hmm. we're exactly the same around their yeah. 
differences. There's so many parallels as you were speaking. That, you know, I was thinking about that because because um, one of the things I find is when people join us, one of the things they're mortified to do, and I do remember it myself, is to show pictures of their body beforehand, the before picture. You know, but as a, as their coach, you're going to have to see what you're dealing with. You know, and you're going to have to see how much body fat there is there and all of the rest of it. And, um, and people get like really mortified about doing it. And, you know, obviously we have conversations and then and so the interesting thing is once they make a transformation, they're whipping, whipping their, their clothes off, no problem, you know, and, and uh, having all sorts of photos and having posing classes for this and stuff. So it doesn't last long, but people are embarrassed about it at the beginning, you know, because they don't necessarily want to sort of reveal everything. And same with business as well. People got themselves into a situation where business is really tough and, there's a lot of debt in the business, etc. People don't necessarily want to reveal that. And I'm assuming that you have this with um, people's finances, where people are private about their finances even more so, and they don't necessarily want to reveal their earnings or what debt they've got, or you know they're in bad shape in one way or another. But you know, I, I'm, I'm guessing you're exactly the same as we are, which is look, we just want to know what we're dealing with, and we're here then to take you forward. And we really don't care what we see. We really, really don't. Mm -hmm. I don't quite ask my clients to strip off. No, um, okay. <laughs> um, yeah. But actually, the analogy is exactly the same. You know, yeah. uh, finances, you know, talking about people's finances is a really intimate topic. Yeah. Um, going back to that childhood thing, you know, we, we, we grow up being told not to talk about money. It's crass mm -hmm. about money. Um, and so this is sort of built in us that, you know, it's rude to talk about money. Um, at, or we might be embarrassed to talk about money if, if we, we grew up without money. Um, so the first job, I think, in terms of building, you know, the, the reason why this is different is because it is about, it's like building an intimate relationship with someone. Yeah. yeah. Dating someone and you need to take the time to get to know them, trust them, know. Um, and so part of my job is building that trust so that people feel comfortable to start sharing that information with me. And that takes time. It takes time to build that trust. Um, and that's why the coaching part is as an important part of it as the advice part, because helping people uncover what stopped them starting the journey in the first place mm. is important. And then building that trust so that they believe that actually I'm, I'm there just for one reason and one reason only to look after their interests, make sure they make good sound decisions. Money's emotive. Um, and the people always make emotive decisions about money at the wrong time. Mm. Of the markets when they panic about the volatility of the markets, which is normally the worst time to come out of the markets. Go back to the financial crisis. Um, in 2011, people that panicked and rushed to come out of the market, it took them at least five years to recover what they'd lost by coming out in that those weeks, oh, yeah. prices, whereas the people that stayed invested actually have done incredibly well. Let me tell you one fact that um, I think you know, people forget. Over a 20 year period, the stock market has never never lost money mm. invested yeah um so um now i'm not saying you have to be invested for 20 years even if you look at you know five and ten year horizons uh, playing the long game and and benefiting from the compounding you will see um your your investments grow but the problem is and i think it's understandable 
is that because it's emotive, like last March when we saw the market crash, mm. my first job was get on the phone to everyone and reassure them. My job, so essentially that's where I'm, say, I'm steering a ship through the stormiest seas. And actually what I'm trying to do is stop people panicking, jumping over the side. Because yeah, because it's recovered. Yeah, yeah, if you can see the recovery, it's more than recovered in some of these. So uh, the way I describe it to, to my clients is think of, you know, let me deal with the emotions. So if you're having, if you're waking up in the middle of the night worrying about it, ring me. Ring mm. me and then let me talk it through with you. And if at the end of that conversation it's still what you want to do, then that's what we'll do. But inevitably what happens is once we calm them down, once we get them thinking rationally again, normally the decision is a different decision. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Well, um, I think that um, it's been so lovely having you on, Tracy, because I think anybody, well, firstly, you know, you're a female and like you say, 83% um, of financial advisors are male. So you're, you're uh, quite a rare species. <laughs> and, um, if, you know, if people want to... Um, start to sort of look into putting together this financial plan uh, having listened to us having listened to me in terms of the fact that yeah the science says that we could accidents and illnesses aside actually live to 156 can you believe every year that we i went to a conference um it was based in uh, silicon valley that all the top scientists there including nobel um, prize winners and um what they were saying is every year that we live healthily we're buying ourselves potentially another decade and within the next 20 to 30 years, we ought to be able to basically pick how long we want to live. The problem then will be where will we want to live? You know, it might have to be on a different planet. But the fact is that, you know, the way that we're built from what they can see is designed to last until 156. So, um, so much you can do now to sort of age backwards. Um, there's all sorts of biohacks um, and natural ways with natural foods and weight training, as you've discovered. So we're going to be here a long time as long as we, you know, do all of these simple things. And uh, as I say, always accidents and illnesses aside, of course. Um, so given that, we've got to do something about our financial future. I don't think for a minute that we're all going to be sitting on a beach for, for 50 of those years. Um, you know, as long as we feel strong, fit and energetic, mm -hmm. we're going to want to go and do loads of, loads of things and take advantage of future opportunities. So um, I suppose that's the, my lasting comment is you know we've got Tracy here now you've got me if you want to learn how to be here and you've got Tracy to uh to learn about what to do with the money that you're going to earn and uh, to create this amazing uh, secure secure financial future so um we'll put all the links in and uh, we'll probably get you to come in and uh, talk to our YBMBers on the uh, on the inside of the program as well Tracy because uh You've got some uh, some great things to no, share. I'm, I'm I'm really happy to do that, Angela. I'm really happy to share any of our um and our, any of our sort of top tips and our blogs and you know no no expectation or obligation. You know I'm I, I feel really passionately about educating women. So anything we can do to to help, we're happy to do that. I think my final comment I said it earlier is that um, choices are more powerful than income. And if you make the right choices, um, you'll have financial independence and you will be able to enjoy that um, 150 year life. Um, yeah. um, beggars belief, doesn't it? But um, if we're gonna be here that long, then uh, we wanna have the financial security to enjoy it. And, and that's what I wanted to help people do. Yes, yeah, that's amazing that line actually. I certainly remember that. And um, what's the best way to find you, um, Tracy? What's your uh, website, your best one to get to? 
so they can so you can find me on the normal socials i'm on linkedin tracy reddings on linkedin um, on instagram and and facebook but the website is um reddings r-e-d-d-i-n-g-s wealth management w-m uh, uh, .co.uk i've just no it's not even dot yes it is dot co.uk yeah it's just uh, double checking that don't even know my own website <laughs> the website um but you can find me um i i post regular blogs on instagram and um under reddings wealth management and tracy reddings um, fantastic well great and um yeah like i say we'll we'll post all the links in that as well with this with this talk so thanks so much for sharing your time and um i'm sure we'll chat again and uh and good luck to everybody who um with their financial future Get saving. Thank you so much. Yeah, great right. to see you. Take care. Okay. See you then. Thank you. Bye bye. bye.